welcome back to the Amplified Word, brought to you by Christ Episcopal Church in Dayton, Ohio. It's a conversation and a deeper look at the lessons for the upcoming Sunday from the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney. We invite you to come along as we lift up the women of the Word. Today we're taking a look at the lessons for the sixth Sunday of Epiphany. Our lessons come from Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 through 7 and verse 12, Psalm 146, Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 17, and the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 19. In today's lessons, we have wonderful examples of beautiful names for God, which Daphne has given us in her translations. And today's gospel story tells about a time that Jesus was being compared to John the Baptist and how he handles this comparison and what he can teach us about who it is that are messengers of God in our world and in our life. Welcome everyone to this week's session of the Amplified Word. I'm the Reverend Peter Holmeyer, Rector here at Christ Episcopal Church in Dayton. And I'm Mary Jane Plody, Postulant and Programs Assistant. Good to be with you. Yes, and we're still here in Black History Month. We're, we're talking about the readings for Epiphany 6, which in the secular candle calendar is February 12th. And I think we'll probably have some thematic pieces related to black history because it's tied so mm-hmm. closely to womanist theology as part of our discussion today. But I know, Mary Jane, you had sort of an overarching theme that you saw in today's gospel that I thought sounded really important. Could you share that with us? Yeah, definitely. Today's gospel lesson, it just struck me as... The, the questions of what are you looking for? What do you think the kingdom of God is? What are you missing? What aren't we seeing? Uh-huh. I know those are a lot of questions, but in the gospel, we, we get that sort of what's not lining up um, right. so, idea. So just to help folks get there a little bit, Mary Jane, yeah. um, John has his own disciples. Right. And some of them... Also, it's an interesting thing that we see more than once in the gospel, have their own questions for Jesus and show Mm -hmm. up. And then out of that, Jesus sort of has some things to say uh, to sort of this gathering of people that seem to sort of just exist around wherever Jesus is going. Right. And I I just didn't want folks to miss that. Yeah, no, the context is really helpful Mm -hmm. here. And you can get from what Jesus is saying that people are not they're not getting it they're not really following what jesus is saying they are struggling to sort of grasp the concept unlike the sons of thunder right they'll never struggle those those guys think they they were great don't worry yeah they got it (laughs) and so it's there there's just this like a moment where jesus 
is sort of saying like, what are you doing right now? Uh -huh. What, what are you looking for? Um, and I think that this idea of the hypocrisy that you see at the end of this passage um, about <laughs> John wasn't who you wanted, I'm not who you want, really does play into um, some womanist themes, and in particular, how often in our country here in the United States, we have looked past people, because they don't fit the mold that we want. But especially, and I'm gonna kind of go out there and this limb, because they challenge us. Because right. that's the role of a prophet. Yeah, because it's not more of the same. It's something that is calling us to the carpet. It's something that is Ask more of us. expecting more of us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we don't like it as people, any of us, because uh, it's it asks us out inside of our comfort zone. It seems exhausting. It is. It is so exhausting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, discipleship, super exhausting. It really is. <laughs> it is exhausting. Yeah. I, I really appreciate this idea that it's like, well, what are you looking for? Uh, just a, a quick example that's not tied to the text, but might be helpful for folks, and we'll tie this out in the text, well, somewhere in today's session, is, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I can't believe that I hear people say this, and yet I do, on more than one occasion. Martin Luther King Jr. You know, he's a womanizer. Okay, first of all, I'm sorry to even bring that up on one level, but we have to name the ways that we dismiss Oh, oh, gosh. Right. Am I saying that as a way to say that I have an opinion about that one way or another, what the, the veracity of that uh -huh. statement? No. Also, how is that in any way relevant to a message which has to do with how all of us need to live in racial harmony with each other? Mm -hmm. um, but it's used as a way to diminish or dismiss the voice of the prophet. Right. And we see that in today's gospel exactly. text as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's when you know that a message has like some serious weight to it yes. is when, when people you go instead after the messenger. exactly people uh -huh. instead of finding <laughs> the fault with the message yeah. are like, Well, did you know that? Blah right. blah blah. You're like, um Yeah. Forest for the trees here, people. You're missing the point. It's a form of deflection. It is. Distraction. Because they mm -hmm. can't, you know, they can't handle what is being presented them. It, it is too much, too scary, too challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, definitely a, a difficult place that I think a lot of us, especially those of us with privilege, find ourselves. Um on maybe the wrong side sometimes where we just don't want to listen to something that challenges us. Um, and I, I want to talk, Peter, in this first part of our episode about someone who I think we can point to um, within the church that has had to stand up and challenge what our expectations are and what our, uh, what we think someone should be or shouldn't be, and that's Absalom Jones. Right. Um, who's who we celebrate um, on Monday, right? Just the of next, this week. Just yes. the next day after this is, and Absalom Jones. Uh, for those who 
a really, really quick thumbnail uh, biography of Absalom Jones. Absalom Jones is celebrated throughout the Episcopal Church during Black History Month. He is an incredible, important figure in African-American peoples, peoples who were enslaved very fairly early in American history, still mm -hmm. during the 18th century, starting to uh, work on their own manumission. He's yes. able to do that. He's a, I mean, this is an incredible person. He's able to go ahead and purchase both his own wife and children out of slavery, which is not, that is an exceptional event in itself. Yes. And he is a person of profound faith who attends an Episcopal church in this time period, which is St. George's. But he, and he's even some kind of a lay leader mm -hmm. in that congregation, which is as far as they'll allow the African-American members of the congregation to go. They still have to sit separately. They have to sit in the balcony. And then Absalom Jones sort of, they stage a protest and walk out and form their own church. And that actually becomes the founding of what we know of today as the African Methodist Episcopal Church in time. But we like to claim him as our own as Episcopalians. We also like to claim all the Methodists Obviously. that way as well. But part of what's happening in there is these folks have had to create some space of separation for themselves mm -hmm. because their prophetic message is not being heard through the standard channels. Right. Right. And even with his own journey of faith, he will go on to be ordained. Right. But there's hesitation. There's yes. a lot of fighting it. And they ordain him to be a deacon. And it's like, okay, that's good enough. That's all you get. Right. Um, and only after his own fighting of the system and, and really standing up for himself and speaking out for himself and his people, you know, his community, do, does he wear them down? Um, and I think that is an example of what Jesus is saying here of um, who are you looking for? You know, you didn't like John. You don't like Jesus. Right. Are you going to like Absalom Jones? No, not going to like him. He doesn't fit your mold. He's not what you say a priest is. So what even are you looking for here? Part of the role of the prophets, all kinds of prophets in the Bible and in more modern examples that we have, is to stand outside and provide critique, but also some sense of direction and what I don't want to lose track of here during Black History Month or in our readings is that after the fact, it tends to look to all of us or many of us, and historians tend to want the right to history in a way where it seems obvious and that it was a clear path to end right. up in this place yeah. where others were not, where we can now see this person who stood outside of what we recognize as a prophetic voice. But that takes time. Mm -hmm. And even the story of Jesus and John, I would argue that there's a generation or two, or, you know, until the Nicene Creed, you could say, right. that folks are learning to incorporate these other ideas about how God's calling us into a place 
that allows us to see and hear the voices of others. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I don't want to ever miss that, even in the life of the most important person who ever walked the face of the earth, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because it's a good example for us all to remain faithful. Absolutely. We can talk some more about this faithfulness when we come back from the break and take a look at this scripture. Sounds good. All right, welcome back, everyone. So I referenced it earlier, Peter, and I think we should take a, a deeper look here in the gospel according to Matthew yeah, for let's today. Get into the text, yeah, right? yeah, that's, that's what, what the people came here for. Yeah, that's right. Um, so what's Second happening? Second class analysis you can find anywhere. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm with you. To the text. To the text. Amen. And so uh, oh, you sound like a Protestant over there, Mary Jane. Oh my goodness. Uh oh. Um. So what, what, what's happening here? What is Jesus saying? And how does this all tie us together here, Peter? Yeah, we talked about this generally at the beginning, but let's actually get towards the end of the text and actually sort of look at it a little bit line by line. Um, so this general idea that we talked about in the first half that Jesus is sort of calling folks out for their, when they don't see what they expect the prophet to look like, they overlook them. But he then uses both himself and John as two different examples of ways that God expresses, right? Puts a face and a person into a prophet and how they look different. And if you don't want to hear, you just still find ways to dismiss. So we get to the end of this gospel lesson and we're looking at verses 18 and then 19. And he says, for John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a demon. <laughs> so, Sorry. So, no, no, it's, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Jesus is actually sort of, I mean, I think there might be a few followers of Jesus who would have giggled a little while you were saying There's that. There's a little too, bit of, like, of John. hyperbole. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you know, somehow because he's particularly holy and ascetic. His ascetic, yeah. Yeah, you know, some people think that he might even have had a relationship somehow with the Essenes, for example. That that puts him outside of those you have to listen to because he's so holy and so um, careful with his own body and what he takes into mm-hmm. it and how he spends his time. So he's like, yep, you're dismissing him on one end. And then he says, the son of woman, now, again, Daphne's uh, beautifully changed all yes. of the times that son of man is used into son of woman with some wonderful theology behind that. And that theology is that if Jesus is half man, all man, and all God yeah, at whoop, the same whoop. time, yeah, watch out, I almost walked directly into a big heresy. There's there. that heresy waiting uh, for you, yeah. always lurking around all, the corner. But if, if God is both, if Jesus is both, that means that half, we don't know much about the genes that God provided, <laughs> but we know that half of the genes came from Mary. So we've got the Son of Man, so Jesus is talking about himself here, who's here named as the Son of Woman came eating and drinking, so doing the exact opposite. You know, we know that about Jesus. Table fellowship and meeting with all kinds of people. Feeding people. Feeding people, and there's wine involved, uh, lots and lots I of know. things. Jesus is accused of being drunk, and Jesus' followers at other times in the text. Gosh. 
And see, this is what they say about him. Look, a glutton and a drunk. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. So again, oh. right here in the text, Jesus is naming, if you're looking for a reason to discount or look past folks, you can easily find it. Yep. There will always be something. Right. But what that doesn't change is that, as Jesus puts it in Jesus' words, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Oh, that line is so good. Yeah. Yet they are the prophets, and it is through their actions that we know them. That their wisdom, which is another beautiful way of describing the Holy Spirit, of course, was there in the beginning and is always accompanying us and Jesus in Jesus' ministry, will make itself known whether we choose to listen or not. The question isn't whether God's in there. The question is, I believe you put it in your own beautiful language at the beginning, is whether we're going to open our ears enough to hear, which is one of the mm -hmm. ways Jesus talks, more language that Jesus uses. <laughs> right. And there's a, and that just that's part of this beautiful praxis, which is a, just a big theological word that maybe we'll unpack in another session. But that is that the more we know about God, the better questions we can ask about God, and those lead to better knowledge of God, and on and on and on. The good news, friends, is that the eternal God that is all and knows all and is in all is not something we can ever completely know. And so this is the great study of our lives mm -hmm. in good scripture, and this is all good scripture, has room for that to happen. Yeah. And there's another example in here that Gaffney helps sort of pull out for us to help us keep getting deeper into hearing these other voices, to be deeper into conversation of listening with God. And that's what she does with a small tweak in Psalm 146. Can you lead us through that a little bit, Mary Jane? Definitely. I think this is such a small one that it would be easy to just brush past. Um, yes. But it, it's continuing to do something powerful. If you're really willing to look at it, it's going to... It does shake it up a little bit. Um, in verse 5 of Psalm 146, Happy are these for whom the God of Rebekah's line is their help, whose yes. hope is in the creator of all their God. Mm -hmm. Rebekah's line. Who is Rebekah's line? Well, Jacob's line. Which is what the original text says. Well, that would be what, yes, exactly. That's the original text. That is... Written by men, the, for men. Yep. That is the descendants of, of uh, Rebecca and, and Jacob, Isaac. It, it becomes who we will call Israel, right? God's people. That's right. Um, and this, this substitution is, I think, important because it helps us to remember that there are voices and stories that we will cast out for whatever reason, right? What we what you just said about John being, uh, you know, not eating and drinking, and Jesus eating and drinking too much. They don't well, look like what we're looking for. What is Rebecca's problem? These well, she folks, was a woman. Right. These are the folks sitting up in the balcony to go back to to Aslan Dubs. Yeah, Jones exactly. And that we expect to be quiet and listen. But guess what? They got something. to They say have too. things to say, and they play very active roles. If right. you don't have Rebecca, 
folks, let's just name it. You don't have a woman. You don't have children. That's right. So the Son entire woman, yes, the entire line mm -hmm. who we trace Jesus through back going back to Advent three. This is important. Her, she matters, and you have to include her in this story. And when you don't, because it doesn't line up with your narrative or your expectations or what makes you comfortable, you being anyone, <laughs> any one of us, um, you're missing a part of it. You're missing a story. One of the things about this particular psalm, there's a lot of aspects to this. I kind of just brushed on the praxis piece of this, but a piece of it, you just keep looking at it in a lot of different ways is Psalm 146, friends, is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. Yes. Not all the psalms are the same. Oh, gosh. Also, <laughs> there's just so many that are like complaining, yeah. which I love. Don't get me wrong. So what does it mean, Mary Jane, that this psalm of praise and thanksgiving, which there are actually fewer of in the psalms yes, than yes. the ones of uh, supplication or complaint to God. Ugh, the ones of suffering, the ones of pain. That this one is naming women the way it's been done yes. in the text. And naming a specific woman, and I yes. want to just push us even further, Please. we're getting some female language in yes. this song, in how we refer to God. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a compassionate God, and whatever you want to say about how everyone should have compassion, yes, but it's typically a softer thing, which is kept for women. Women should be gentle and compassionate. Um, and then later, verse 9, the mother of all cares for the stranger, orphan, and widow she bears up. We are talking about a specific female, Rebecca, but we're also talking about this broader language, this female language for God. We're just breaking open this story, seeing who else is within this psalm. And we're doing it from a perspective of joy, yes. of thanksgiving, exactly. of praise. We're saying this is a wonderful God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love this God. This is one that will reign forever. We are so fortunate to have this God. Um, and it's a God of Rebecca. It's the God of women and the God of men and the God of everyone in between and not of and not at all, you know, the God of all people. Um, and I, I think that is so fun. Alleluia, which means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that there are these other voices and that they're just there waiting for us. As much as they're all meeting you in your own life, if we just choose to hear them, oh, and yes. in them is God's. Not it isn't to go back to last week about making you feel bad. No, it is feel about the, good. It's about the Please feel good of the breath yeah. of all of those that God has spoken to yes. and been faithful to, and how we can put our trust in that. But not by closing ourselves down. No. When we're open to who God is, when we are willing to listen to Jesus, who does not line up with who we think Jesus is supposed to be, we have so much more open to us, right? If, if we follow Christ, we have this amazing, amazing life 
of joy and liberation that is opened to us. And oh, yes, you can definitely understand and try to listen to stories of suffering and pain and still look for joy and look for salvation. You, we have to do it all, folks, because God is in all of it. For we worship a living God. And that kind of language can seem very separate from our actual story. But I think this is what it means to worship a living God, to be able to have it breathe and change and grow along with us. Amen. Amen. We hope that your own life in God and in Christ continues to live and grow. And we'll be back to talk about that a little bit more in next week's session on the Transfiguration. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Amplified Word. To learn more about the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney and our year-long formation programs, Women of the Word, we invite you to visit our parish website, DaytonChristEpiscopal.com. <laughs>